It's Wednesday, July 19th, 2023, and you're listening to episode 615 of Fear the Boot, a show about tabletop role-playing games and a little bit more. Running time for this episode is 42 minutes. Welcome to Fear the Boot. My name is Dan. This is Mary. And this is Wayne. So it's been a little bit since we've done an update to the actual play because uh, we had some player shuffling and whatnot that we had to sort out. But for those of you that liked the actual play, which I hope is most of you, I do have some good news, which is that we now have actually in backlog three episodes of an Epoch of Arisos actual play to add to the, I think, two or three episodes that are already out there. And also, by the time this episode releases, there is a one-off Inspector's comedy game uh, actually set within that universe, actually done in science fiction instead of urban fantasy. And once again, this is just because we had some player changes and everyone's lives being crazy and whatnot, but we've gotten back on track. However... This kind of leads to a side topic that is more advice-oriented or encouragement-oriented, which is it is possible to recover your games from that kind of a hiatus, but you have to do a little bit of extra work because one of the reasons they're being kind of slow to release is because since we had that long gap in the game, we just didn't remember a lot of the intricacies of the plot. And so what I'm doing right now is I'm going back through those episodes and I'm actually writing up a brief narrative of what happened in each one before I post them so that the players can review along with the audience and remember what the heck even happened up to that point in the game. Yeah, I'm kind of jealous about that from the standpoint of when I'm running a campaign and it has to have a long break between it. I don't have recordings to go back to and listen yeah. to. And I know some GMs just record their games. Yeah, I mean, like Broder, Broder does. does. Yeah, Broder does. And that's something that'd be really handy to have that, to just go back and refresh yourself before starting the new session. Even as a player, like I've been in a couple of recorded games um, with a different group. And it's one of those things where it's like, it's been months since we've played this. What happened last? Hang on. I can just go like, listen to this at, you know, two times speed and just pick up the highlights and, Okay, I'm back into it. Like, it's super useful. Yeah, especially now that a lot of playback stuff will do the two times, three times, four times speed, but keep the pitch the same so you're not getting yelled at by the chipmunks. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) That is a lot more doable. But it's just, I don't know, one of those interesting kind of things because there are some things we talk about based, in fact, most of the things we talk about are based on lived experiences, but sometimes we conjecture advice based on what seems like it would work or what other people have told us would work. And this is going to be my first time actually cataloging and scripting one of my own games back to myself simply for the purpose of recovering. But the point being, if you are interested in the actual play, we are done with the skies of glass one have been for a while. And we are right now doing a far future space opera kind of one so if you want to check that out, ap.feartheboot.com, link in the show notes. There's a comedy inspectors game that we're using to kind of bridge our content a bit. And that's what we're going to be talking about today is that inspectors game. But the point is, though, that is out there. So if you're interested in catching up on that or hearing what we're up to or hearing some of that role play, please check it out. And because this show is primarily based on our gaming experiences, For those of you that are not interested in the actual play, 
We will do our best to keep the show as approachable as possible, but just like during the Skies of Glass game, we're going to draw a lot of inspiration from it because we get our topics from mostly doing this stuff, and so that's what we're going to reference. Yeah, I was inspired by your Inspector's game from the standpoint of I've never thought about using Inspector's for something other than paranormal investigation. Yeah. And seeing how you made minor tweaks to it to make it work for sci-fi really opened me up to the idea that the book itself and that system can run a variety of different games effectively and be fun. Yeah, I'm going to pause here. For anyone who's not familiar with the game Inspectors... Which I was not until we played this game. That nor was the was, first time I played it. Well, so. Julie had played it once before, but I don't know that she'd played it more than once before. And we also had someone sit in who... This was literally their first RPG ever. So two people were first-timers on the game. Mm-hmm. One person was a second-timer on the game. And one person had never played a single RPG, period. Not anything. But so if you don't know what Inspectors is, it's a very rules light, but comedy heavy, highly participatory role playing game that really leans heavily on the players for a lot of its content and gives the GM a toolkit for using that feedback to keep the game going and to kind of mediate some of these things going on in the game. Yeah. First time I played it, what was really a shell shock for me because I hadn't gone down that path of some of these more indie games before. I had experienced homebrews and you know more traditional games. So the very first time I did Inspectors, what blew my mind is I roll a successful six. The GM looks at me and says, okay, what happened? Yeah, you succeeded. What occurred? Yeah, and there's one thing to say, okay, I succeeded at hitting someone and I describe it. This is a case of, I open a box. What's in the box? I get to say what's in the box. And not only do you get to say what's in the box, you have to say what's in the box because nobody else is going to tell you. Yeah. Yes. Like it's it. That was something that I was like surprised by when we played it this time. Is like I'm trying to set up something where I'm like maybe I'll find the clue as we go along, and it took a long time to figure out. No, no, the clue is whatever you say it is. I don't. There's no somebody else that's going to come down with a higher authority and declare this thing that you did. And yeah, longtime listeners will definitely recognize the name because I used to do this during my Dresden Files campaign when we were missing people or just weren't feeling the game for the night or something. We had a side game going within our Dresden universe that was Inspectors. And we had a group of reporters that were going out and investigating the paranormal. And it was our light comedy game for any night that we just couldn't play the regular game for whatever reason. And for anyone that's interested in checking this game out, I mean, it's a kind of a hard game to describe. You almost have to experience it before you get it. Yeah, and if you want to experience it, you can listen to this AP that just dropped. Yeah, right? you can listen to the AP, or something else you can do is if you're just absolutely not going to listen to an AP, which is fine, then we'll link to where you can look at the game yourself. Though, I now have to address the game's publisher, Memento Mori. Would you guys please put the damn book back in print? <laughs> you can still get it as a PDF, or you can get it by selling your firstborn on eBay. But inexplicably, they have completely stopped publishing this game, despite the fact they're still around. And pretty much every comment on their website is, please start publishing this game again. So 
Look, if you guys will just send me the file, I'll do it print on demand and give you 100% of the proceeds. Goodness. Anyway, that rant aside. So <laughs> where do you guys want to start with this one? You want to talk about getting back into gaming and the role this played in that? or I And, wanna... and I don't mean getting back into the main storyline. Just getting, getting back, back into, into any gaming. game. I want you to start with why did you decide to do this instead of jumping back into the rain game? Okay, that's, that's a fair question. So let me give you a couple different answers because there were compounding factors. One was the fact that I had not yet had an opportunity to finish reviewing and cataloging these prior games and given the complexity of my own plots, but the openness to allow the players to affect those plots, I did not have any current record of what was actually going on thus far within the canon of this game. So that was reason number one, was I felt ill-prepared. And of course, second, that was then leading me to a lot of stress, a lot of, okay, who's going to give me an excuse to cancel? Like, I'm just being honest here, all right? That, that, was, that was real. I think we've talked about this before. Yep. Yeah, that's... And I was just like, come on, please, please, somebody just say they're sick or something. And But the third reason was it gave me a chance to very quickly... And on a very low stress, just get us gaming again. Because it's not just been the actual play group. Every role-playing group we are involved in that I am aware of has had serious interruptions to its schedule. The last one to hang on was my West Marches game. But now that we're entering into summer, the nephews that are participating in this game, they've got plans galore for all these different summer camps and such. So that group, I'm not saying it's dead, but that group may be rotting on the vine as well for a while now. So we just hadn't been gaming, period. And it's like, man, we need to do a warm-up. We need to kind of get ourselves loose here. What's that woman's name? Something Alison Janecki or something like that, who got kind of famous during one of the Olympics because she'd do this weird dance before she ran hurdles. You're asking me it's, something I, about I, sports? It's, it's okay, sports am question. I the only one? All right, this, this, was, we, this was off enough. I'll, I'll link in the show notes for anyone who has no idea what I'm talking about. Like everybody else sitting at these tables. I guess. But it actually made like national and international news because it became this kind of sports meme, I guess. Just the oddity of, you know, there's these other runners that are doing the typical stretches you would expect. And she instead preps herself and warms herself up by doing these little jigs or dances and it just became a bit of an internet meme for a while. So, I don't know. Maybe it's just me or maybe I just run in circles. You guys don't. But whatever the case, the point is, it was about getting us back into gaming as a whole and being creative and being involved. And we're going to come back to being involved in a minute. <laughs> but it was also a great stress reliever because of the fact, so I guess this is point four, that it's a comedy game, so there's not a lot of expectation. It's just a very social, sit around, laugh, be nuts, have fun with your friends sort of game that I think, to be honest, given all the other stressors between life issues that I'm not going to bore you guys by cataloging, plus con prep, that, goodness, we just needed the opportunity there just to loosen up and cut loose. I had no idea how much I needed it. I had just finished a online campaign that was an intense finish. Great campaign. Absolutely incredible. But it was not a light campaign. It was 
deep and dark, and my character ends up sacrificing his life for his sisters. And so that was kind of an intense thing. And life stresses and everything going on, I didn't realize how much I needed a night to just laugh. And I haven't laughed that hard in a long time. I at one point... Like, literally broke. Like, I just could not yeah. respond to anything. People had to move on and come back to me because it wasn't wasn't happening. I couldn't, like, actually process yes. anything. Mary, I wish we were a video show sometimes. Most of the time, I'm glad we're not. <laughs> but once in a blue moon, I just wish I could go back and grab 13 seconds of video. <laughs> and watching a couple of minutes of Mary rebooting... <laughs> I don't know how to describe this on the mics in a way that does it any justice. So I almost wish I had a camera on each of us just for that one clip. Yeah, I even made the comment of, I yes. think we broke Mary. Yes. That was, it was accurate. It was very <laughs> accurate. I also think that it was it turned out to be the right game because we ended up having an extra player that we weren't anticipating. Even before you'd made the decision to run inspectors, and then we ended up having another person who wasn't supposed to be here until after we were done gaming, and we were just able to, like, add her. Yeah, you know, and that's fair. I'm going to add that as a postscript point because this was not one of the major reasons, but one of the minor reasons that really drove home that Inspectors was the right game to run that night was when I found out that my girlfriend was going to be here. And it's like, okay, I want her to be able to participate. But once again, she has never gamed before anything, period, ever. Not even a bad game, just no game at all. And... I knew that if I threw her into something that's as dense on story and character as the existent actual play. Well, just trying to explain what a pen and paper character yeah. is. is. Like yeah, the character yeah. sheet, what you can do. We would have spent half the night explaining the setting and building a character. Oh, yeah. half. I think it would have been like three quarters because you'd also have to explain the setting. You'd have to... Uh, everything. I mean, everything. How the other characters fit in together. Like, what are you doing here? Like, yeah, what, what, the what, concepts involved. Yeah, this was only loosely in that world. Right. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> uh, we created alien races that you'd never imagined in your world building. Yeah. And so there was nothing really there to explain. And even the character sheet. Because let's be honest. You look at a D&D character sheet or... I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about D&D right now, given all the shenanigans with Watsy. Whew, if you're not keeping up on that, they can't stop punching themselves in the face. But that's a different topic for a different show. Hey, don't worry, if Pinkerton's calm, I mean, you'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you think I'm opening the door for some person I don't recognize, that's they got another thing coming. Well, and Charlie will let you know you're there. They're there, so. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to stop here, because that's <laughs> like an episode unto itself, and it's going to get kind of dark. But if you look at the typical character sheet of any game, I don't care what game you're talking about, most of them have a somewhat dense and intimidating character sheet. Even just understanding the concepts of trying to model a character along attributes and skills and possessions and perks and... And how this math relates to that math and what numbers have to go together to make the thing you actually get to do. They look like Excel spreadsheets, which is fine for me because I like Excel. I love that. It's fine. I think she might have picked up on some of that faster than a a true outsider to the hobby because though she had never played a role-playing game before, she has played video game RPGs. Right, so you have character creation, you have story. You have hit points, you have levels. All these things are shamelessly ripped off from D&D to begin with, so there you go, there it is. But I, that nonetheless would have been a part of it. 
And so I really did not want to cancel the game. I also didn't want to exclude her and then add in the other factors I gave. We're stressed out. We've not been gaming. We have literally lost the plot. (laughs) And this all just came together in such a way that I'm like, I don't see how tonight works out if we play anything but Inspectors or some similar game. I guess it could have been Fiasco or For the Queen or something like that. But it would have to be a very participatory game that allows for a lot of imagination and comedy and mayhem. And it doesn't it, have a lot of constraints that need to be explained. Right. Yeah. It is not going to be dense on setting and dense. I, mean, I can't be dense on setting because if it's a yes and game, which is not my preferred style. I prefer yes, but gaming. But in a yes and game. If you guys tell me there's an alien species like such and such, well, that exists now. I, I'm not telling you about the aliens in the universe. You're telling me about the aliens <laughs> in the universe. And I just have to keep rolling with that. You mean you didn't already have the cartwheelians somewhere in your universe? Right, that wasn't a rolling pun on purpose? You know, the, <laughs> the funny thing is the cartwheelians as presented, no. <laughs> but there is a species that occasionally does travel and it's actually part of their biological design by flipping up on their side and tumbling because they're usually a a, more of a laterally oriented species but they have long enough limbs that they can speed up their movement by raising themselves up and tumbling along which led to their nickname in the actual canon of the game that a lot of times they're referred to as tumblers or tumbleweeds because they do that now you guys went a completely different direction and it was not even vaguely the same species it's just that one trait was was in common with an actual canon race something else that i really like about inspectors and i think was really good in this game stressing again it didn't have to be inspectors but it needed to be something comedic and loose is inspectors actively encourages participation to the point that I would say it almost punishes passivity. I swear I did not plan that alliteration. (laughs) I thought that was something that would be helpful, both because we have been on such a long hiatus from gaming, because we're all kind of down-tempo and energy and spirit, and because of the fact that it creates these openings for people that might otherwise just sit there and watch a game occur and feel intimidated or out of place because they're new to gaming or they're new to this game and it makes you get off the bench and get involved and it's not cruel unless your gm's being a jerk or unless everybody piles on julie yeah well we played a second game of it that wasn't recorded and we could the exact same thing happened yeah the exact same thing happened and poor julie got dog piled (laughs) but one of the things i loved watching was some of the more veteran players actually at first were kind of quiet and Doug, who's relatively new to gaming. I mean, he's played D and D before. I guess I shouldn't say that, but his experiences are not as dense overall as, as probably ours have been. He had never touched inspectors before and he leads off by throwing Wayne straight under the bus and then throwing <laughs> Julia straight under the bus. Right. And I was like, that is awesome. That absolutely set the perfect tone for the remainder of the game. Especially since it was a deliberate pause where Wayne, like you yeah. said, was not throwing out anything because yeah. he wanted to let other people go. Specifically with inspectors, I knew that if somebody is outgoing and active right away, 
they can set the entire game with some declarations. So I made a point, having played Inspector so many times, I didn't immediately jump in with things. I wanted to make sure that the people that were seemed to struggle to get something out had that opportunity to throw something out. So when he immediately started throwing us under the bus, it abused me. I, my initial instinct was jump out and take that, but I didn't, and he ended up passing it over anyway. Yeah, it did work out. Yeah, well, and one of the things that helped there as well is both a choice of mine as a game master, but to be honest, I'm going to put the credit where it's due. It's a design function or intended function of the way the game runs where I don't ask questions like, Wayne, would you like to be CEO of the organization? I simply say, who is the CEO? Not who wants to be the CEO, yeah. but who yeah. is the CEO? Doug, straight out the gate, throws Wayne under the bus. Yeah. Wayne, like, okay, Wayne's the CEO. Yep. This is yes and gaming. I just have to accept that, and that is now true. And Wayne has to accept yeah. it, and we all have to yeah. accept it. And that's he's, Yeah, that's his role now. And a lot more than that occurs that I don't want to tell, because for those of you that are listening to the AP, I don't want to spoil the comedy and the surprises of how off the rails this game went. I'm not sure that there were rails to begin with. No, so, no. But what few rails I could imagine were pretty promptly discarded. And that's the point of inspectors is to get you to discard those rails to not just be creative, but to have that creativity mean something. Yeah. Well, and we did have a few points where the new people were a little more reticent to come up with something. And those were the times when we had the chance to throw out a couple suggestions here and there, and they would bite on the one that they wanted. Yeah, and yeah. That, that part, I guess, we can talk about, because that's not really a spoiler for the fun of the game. But that is something you'll hear, is when we got to someone who was a little out of sorts, and we'd be like, okay, you just found two clues in here, what were they? And if they feel a bit too on the spot, we don't leave them dangling on the line like that. That's just cruel. And so I would then open it up and be like, okay, table, any suggestions? Or without me even prompting it, one of you guys would say, well, maybe it could be this, or what if this happened? And that gave them something to grasp onto, and often something to build off of as well. Because if you throw out an idea, even if they accept that first idea, but they have to produce two, well, that second one may be partially inspired by the first one of, oh, this I'm totally making up, but the ladder is a sapient creature that's now trying to argue with us. So that's the first clue is the ladder is that caused the accident is alive. Okay. So what's the second clue? Well, and the ladder also has childhood trauma from da, 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 da. And then that <laughs> gets even crazier, but it's riffed off that first idea. And so that gives a little bit of a lifeline to the people that are participating in the game. And I'm really happy with how it turned out. I am really happy with so much about that game. And this isn't me patting myself on the back, because as I've been saying, Inspectors is such a gm light game. So I can't really take credit for the vast majority of what occurred. All I did was create an environment that allowed it. And I explained the rules to anyone who hadn't played the game before. But yeah. generally, the person running it doesn't even come up with the plot. You introduce a NPC that comes with a question but from that point on you don't have the solution yeah the players are going to give you the solution yeah and so it's hard if you're the type of gm that wants to come in with a plot 
this is not a game you do that in. I was going to say, I was going to try to make the metaphor where, you know, Dan was like kind of vaguely steering, but not really because his rudder was broken. Like it just, he could point things in certain directions, but it was up to everybody else to take them in any direction that they were going to go. This would be like trying to pilot the Titanic right now in its current state. <laughs> not going to go too well. I, as a player, feel like I have more control of the story than Dan as the GM of it. Yeah. Just by virtue of being able to define so much more of, of the circumstance of what's going on, where we are, who we are, what we're doing, and then like have the plot have to be yeah. in all of those things because they are true. That's the two things that I brought was the rules and, of course, the printouts and such that are necessary for characters. And then the only other thing I brought was I said, instead of playing urban fantasy or paranormal investigators which is what the game is really i won't say it has to be played that way because obviously it doesn't but that's what it talks about a lot and strongly what, it's the implied setting that's to what du- it's written to yeah yeah well to dust off an old fear of the boot phrase it has an implied setting which is that of paranormal investigators in the style of the original original ghostbusters i'm not talking dan Aykroyd and all them i'm talking the one that was like was a 1950s, 1960s TV show where part of the team was a gorilla. Yeah. I'm talking the old, old, old Ghostbusters. And the idea behind the game is you're a brand new licensee of this organization. Your character sheet for the group is your company sheet where you have finances and things that you're dealing with. So I was really curious how you were going to make that sci-fi. Yeah, how I was going to move that. That is the only bit of this game that I feel I can genuinely take any credit for was looking at it and being like, okay, how do we get this out of the modern day or near future, near past and move it to a completely different era of history, especially far forward, not far back. And in a setting where because of the nature of the way the games run, I couldn't stop you guys from introducing magic, but (laughs) the magic and the paranormal are not a part of the Canon setting. Right. And so it's like, well, that's really not what the game's about. I mean, it's be like trying to run Ghostbusters in Star Trek. Mm-hmm. And that's the sort of hurdle you have to jump there. I think the bit of advice I'd give there, or the bit of encouragement I would give there, is whenever you as a game master, you as a player, look at a role-playing game, always look at it as a starting point for ideas. Always look at it as a jumping off point or a set of suggestions that ballpark you on what you're playing. Don't look at them as this really, really strict set of things that you must conform to. There was a saying that Chad and I used to have years and years ago playing like first and second edition D&D where people like, well, I want to do this. So we say, well, I don't know. Can you do that in D&D? And Chad and I would always respond with, was Gary Gygax going to come to your house and break your kneecaps? I mean, oh. he might send somebody, but... <laughs> <laughs> but... Yeah, the Pinkertons might, but that's not Gary Gygax's fault. He right. didn't do that one. <laughs> Let's see. I, I saw this game no differently, and I hope that you guys, as you play your games... I mean, I understand you have to say somewhat in the ballpark, because especially in games that have more rules, the rules are balanced around certain assumptions. If you're trying to play a particular group of characters or a particular type of character yeah there may be some limits there that the gm very reasonably puts into place 
So I'm not saying that games should have no boundaries, no rules, no guidelines. I am not of that school of thought. But all I'm saying is that it's okay to push those boundaries a bit, to squeeze the Play-Doh just a little bit. Yeah, you didn't have to do much to change this one. No, I really didn't. You just changed some proper nouns of instead of a gym, you had a lab of some sort. Yeah, Biolab Zeta. Well, and one of the other things that, again, if you listen to the AP, but even if you don't, we're saying Dan didn't have a lot of influence into the, the story of the game, but a lot of the times that he would jump in and reframe something where somebody throws out an idea and he's like, okay, here's how this works with the technology level that we're going for. Yeah. Like it was just reframing what you had said in the reminder of the setting because it's not, you know, what you're immediately thinking of in the middle of all of the laughing. Yeah. And I think that's something that could apply to any game is a game master can look for the intent of the player and vice versa. Players, please do your part and look for the intent of the game master. But that doesn't necessarily mean you have to be woodenly stuck to the content in the middle. For example, let's say someone's playing a Star Trek game and knows nothing about Star Trek. And they say, uh, I want to go down to the planet. They say, okay, you go down to the transporter room and you get beamed down, which means you're teleported from this place to that place. And they're like, oh, okay. I'm on the planet with the rest of the party. That was my intention. That was the intent. Yeah. You got me there. How they got there is almost irrelevant to them because it was not the essence of what they're after. And if they push back, if someone said, no, 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 I really would prefer to take a shuttle and here's my reasoning. Okay, that's fine. There's, well, there's some character development. Yeah, there's yeah. some setting development. Like that's all good things. Uh, but now there's a reason to have them. Yeah, precisely. And so now you know that matters to the player and you adjust accordingly. But you're, you're right, Wayne. Outside of renaming a few things and reskinning the game a bit, the only substantive rules change that I had to make, and I'm going to put substantive in huge quotation marks because it was barely substantive, was slightly expanding the role of one skill. And by the way, characters in this game consist of a whopping five stats. That's it. And one of those five is technology. In the inspector's game, it has a little bit more of a limited role. And because you guys were dealing with far future technology, in addition to more banal modern day technologies, I shifted anything that was advanced. Though even if it was common at that point in history, you know, 2000 some odd years in the future, we're still going to lump that under technology simply to differentiate it from a truly physical task like firing a standard handgun or punching somebody in the face or dialing a telephone. But that was it. It required, once again, I can't stress enough that this is not a pat on the back. This is a, a moment of we just happened to have the right medicine and stumble into something that worked a lot better than we expected, which is great because usually our show topics are about how we tried something and it went down <laughs> In a spectacular disaster. Yeah, and well, to give people the perspective of it, throughout dinner leading up to it, Dan continually talked about how if this goes horrible, we've got content. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and, I did yeah. that. You're right. I Either forgot way, about that. It was like we're ready for this to go, however it goes, and you know, it went well. Yeah, I. You did not expect this to be the home run that it was. Nope. No, no. I expected it to be honestly passable at best, some degree of disaster, more likely. And the fact that it got knocked out of the park the way it did 
and particularly the fact that some of the best, and I cannot spoil these parts, but some of the best contributions came from some of the newest people at the table. This was all profoundly unexpected and unplanned, and that right there, as a weird aside, might be a bit of encouragement to allow slightly looser reins in your game because sometimes people surprise you with something terrible and sometimes they will surprise you with something brilliant. And sometimes the brilliant thing is really, really terrible. Yeah, okay. <laughs> sometimes way, it's a little it's bit of both. Funny. Yeah, and either way, it's funny. And it was like, all right, if this game goes great, we've got content to talk about. If this game absolutely goes nose first, flaming into the ground, we have something to talk about. <laughs> yeah. Don't do this and don't do it the way we did it. And that's where a lot of our material comes from. And it's nice for once to be able to get on the mics and say we did something that actually worked as yeah, opposed the, to failing without it. failing forward. Yes. Yeah. Well, and the worst thing that happens is you have an AP that's unreleasable that didn't impact the main plot. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It just becomes a negative episode or some Brodor content. Or, <laughs> uh, you know what? Speaking of which, I am going, I'm really trying to get Brodor on the mics again when he comes back to town to visit because. I just, I don't know, I miss him being raucous and uncontrolled. Pretty sure we were all channeling very Brodor. Yeah. Oh, yes, that, even though he was not here, had no, no impact on the game. He's It not was Brodorian. It was Brodorian. Yes. Yep. And that should be the new word that Oxford is looking to add to their, <laughs> not just unabridged, but their full-blown abridged dictionaries. Brodorian should be a new adjective to describe something that has gone so far in a particular direction that it's like a mental state, kind of like muscle march. Like muscle march is a state of mind. Brodurian is just a state that you have to either experience or not experience and wonder what it means. One other thing that we talked about was the, not only was, do we have a brand new player in the game that was being recorded, but a person who had never been on mic before. And that had to add a level of intimidation that like even beyond doing something for the first time ever, doing something into a microphone and having it be able to listen back and before other people's consumption, I'm sure added a level of paralysis that was very quickly overcome. Well, that's something we don't talk about a whole lot on here is how the sausage is made, what actually goes on in terms of the technical or personal stuff that we have to arrange to make the show function at all. And just because, I mean, we're a show about gaming, not a show about our own show, even though a lot of our gaming, I don't know, maybe we are, but not in that way, right? Not, it's not fairly at, meta, but not, yeah. Yeah. not at the production level. Yeah. Let me put it that way. At the content level, yes, we draw from our own experiences. What other experiences would we draw from? But we, we don't talk about the show much at the production level. And it was interesting because her take on it, and this was kind of an unusual one, because usually the presence of the mic is enough of a physical reminder that you are being monitored and presented to the public that well, people get nervous. And it's between you and the other people at the table in a lot of cases. Like, we're looking across. Like, it's you're not looking somebody in the face. You're looking at them through a wall of mic stands. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, it's impossible to ignore. Uh, truth. And I have, over the years, developed a habit where I, I don't even notice the mics. I notice the waveform. Yeah, but I don't the mics. It doesn't oftentimes even occur to me. They're in front of me. I'm talking to Wayne and Mary. I'm not talking to you guys. And I'm not I don't mean that literally, but I just mean at the psychological level. That is how my mind copes with this 
is I don't think about the the broader number of people that are listening to this. I try very hard to just make an organized discussion with my friends. I find it really interesting. But when, well, let me finish this, this one point. But how she dealt with it, because I talked to her about that. Well, she compartmentalized the whole thing away and said, I'm fine with it as long as you never play it back for me. She said, as long as I don't have to listen to my own voice, my own performance, nothing else about this really makes me feel uncomfortable. That's interesting. It, and that's, yeah. it was interesting because I have never heard that. Everyone else I've put behind the mics for the first times, the mics themselves scare them. Yeah. It, it's like they scared me. Yeah. I mean, that's this is not some flax. But it was just really interesting to hear her have such a compartmentalized perspective of it. Yeah, I find that really interesting. And so for me, I remember when I first came on the mics, the mics are a level of nervousness that you eventually get over and realize you're just talking to your friends around the table and you do start to compartmentalize. But once you start doing an AP in gaming, then for me, at least, that is always something that's there. I know the mics are there and it's not that I hold back things in the game, yeah, but I am cognizant of this is going out to an audience. This, in a game standpoint, isn't going to get edited the same way a show is. Nope. I am a lot more careful that I don't drop any cusses during a game because I know it doesn't get edited. Yeah. And things like that are always in the back of my head. Well, even just having to be like, you can't whisper, you can't do something entirely physically because... The microphone has to pick it up. Just keeping those things in mind can be a challenge. Yeah. So if yeah. you're trying to break anyone that you know or love of LARPing, mics are a good way to do that <laughs> because you cannot LARP behind a microphone very well unless there's also a camera there. Yeah. I was talking to someone the other day about uh, recording and things and making a comment about episodes. It's like, I do not listen to any episode of any podcast that I am on because I don't want to hear my voice back. If I'm editing it, it's a different story. Hmm. And so the only episodes that I really listen to are ones that I'm not on, an episode I'm editing, or if I remember something from it and I'm really curious how the edit went, then I might want, listen to a portion of it. But I don't want to listen to the conversation because I was already a part of it. Hmm. Yeah, I really only have that issue if I'm on somebody else's show, because then it's like, no, 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 no. That was not what I was trying to say. I, you should have edited me differently. And the, they did nothing wrong, right? They recorded what I said. They edited it fairly. There is nothing. It's just... Your intentions did not match what ended up on the podcast. Exactly. And what I get to be a bit of a subconscious control freak, because if I had edited the show, I would have fixed my issues and to make myself sound smarter than I am. And that didn't occur. And so there I am in all of my fully naked emperor's glory. And when you edit yourself, you have two chances to give your message. The chance when you set it and the chance when you edit it. Right. And that is very much the case for me. I will go back when I'm editing myself and I will catch that something didn't come out the way I intended it. And that is a chance for me to edit and make it come out like I intended it. Or just pull that section out entirely no. because it's not what I was trying to say. Well, and this is another point where I'm going to loop back to it. I, I hate to make this a product pimp, but I think it's in keeping with classic Fear of the Boot because we're pimping an out-of-print product. So this is very, <laughs> yeah. very classic Fear of the Boot. What we're saying about editing audio is also true of the way that we manage games. And when I say we, I don't mean 
the three of us, I mean gamers in general, every game master, every player has had that moment where they're like, no, 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 wait a minute. This is not where that was supposed to go. This did not turn out how I was envisioning. Can we rewind the tape a bit or whatnot? And this teaches you by virtue of being forced to do it, how to keep that ball rolling of this went off the rails and I'm not going to discard it. I have to figure out how to use it and not only how to use it and how to accept it, but possibly even how to repackage it in just enough of a way, twist it just a little bit. So it's in theme. So it sparks more ideas. You can't just accept the idea. At times you have to go a step beyond that to, I hate to use this word, but it's the best one I'm coming up with, almost celebrate the idea. You really have to embrace it in a way that goes beyond mere tolerance or acceptance. And I love that this game does that. And as I said before, it's not alone in that. There are other games that have that open style of storytelling that encourage the sort of yes and stuff. We're just talking about inspectors because that's what we played. Not because it has some unique advantage over every other indie or experimental game on the market. So I think that's where we're going to wrap this one up. Please do check the show notes. There will be some links to a variety of things, uh, including if you're curious to check out the AP, we'll have a link to the actual play. If you are curious to check out Inspectors, we'll have a link to that. And just some other random things, including apparently a hurdler that I'm the only one on here that knows. I don't know why I even know a hurdler. That is kind of weird even for me, but that's, I guess that's just life. And other than that, have a great week in great games, and we will catch you next time. This has been a production of Fear the Boot, copyright 2023. Listeners are free to use this episode in a non-commercial endeavor, so long as credit is provided to feartheboot.com. You can find previous episodes and other resources at feartheboot.com. If you wish to support this show and its related endeavors, you can do so at patreon.com slash feartheboot.